Welcome to Missouri Loves Company. I'm Brock Wilbur. I'm Vivian Kane. This is our podcast. About things. About things and stuff. Yeah. And about Kansas City. I love your podcast voice so much. What's it always wrong with makes my me podcast? laugh. Uh, we're not here to laugh. Are, we re- are you restarting it? No, I'm not restarting it. I'm just, <laughs> I just want to go back and try it again. I just love it so much. It makes me smile. People can tell when you're laughing at me. I know. People can tell when you're laughing. No, now I've lost it. I don't have it anymore. I can only do it on the I intro. I feel like now we actually should restart this. No, no, no. We, okay. We've really dedicated ourselves. Uh, hey, how was your week? Uh, good. We're actually doing the podcast like we were supposed to as like a weekly thing now. So Yeah, that, it feels weird. Like we just recorded an episode last week. So I was like, nothing's really happened. Trump was here today and the earth didn't open up ah, and swallow us all. Hellmouth disease. Yeah. You know what? Would you have felt better if a hellmouth did open? Hellmouth was it? Hellmouth and foot disease? Oh my god! <laughs> Actually, I think I would feel better if that happened. If something happened, and not just the nothingness of him coming and then leaving. Yeah, I, it, it did feel weird that he was gone by like two o'clock today. So, yeah, and then, you know, no, we're saving it for our guest. We're saving it for our guest. Okay, uh, who and, is? No, no. <laughs> uh, come on. Now we have to restart. Uh, we have two adopted uh, kitty boys. Yes, we talked about that last week. And we are trying to get our older cat to get along with them. I wasn't here for this today. How did it go? Not. I mean, not bad. Just so we. I put them in a little playpen, and then I leave the door to the room open, and she just won't come in the room. Uh, also, we should note that the little playpen you thought would be for kittens, but it's actually for like a medium-sized dog, so it's, it's most of the room. Yeah, it's medium. I thought it was medium for like a normal-sized animal, but it's medium for like big dogs. Uh, oh, medium big. Medium big dogs, yeah. Yeah. So they have a lot of space, so I don't feel bad about Also, it means I can work in the room with them, because otherwise I can't. they, they can't handle a laptop. They just climb all over it and eat it. So it's it's kind of why they became Woodward and Bernstein. They yeah. just loved they the love typewriter, typing. but they love they're on a deadline. With keys. Yeah, <laughs> and if you try to work in there, it's impossible. Uh-huh. Also, they love to bite my laptop screen. Or they're to, just really harsh editors. Or, or yes, or when they paw at my iPhone is is the other one. They love phones. Yeah, they're just like we got it. Yeah, that's the one that I'm always like, we're on a deadline. Yeah. <laughs> stop the presses. I'm a cat. But we love them so much. They're we do so love little. them. You got uh, to experience something really cool, which is that you found a lady book group. I did. Um, so we've been here for about 10 months, and I realized uh, I need oh, most of the friends that I have, which like I feel like we our social life is pretty great here for only having been here for less than a year. But uh-huh. Brock is a much more social person than I am. And no. so most of the friends that I have pretty much all of the friends that I have, I've, I met through him. And it was like, I like I want to just hang out with like a big group of women. Uh, <laughs> so I finally went to meetups.com and I, I signed up for a bunch of groups uh, and, and like, like nerdy women in their 30s and like, you know, wine book clubs. But the one that I, I haven't met any of them yet in person. Uh, I'm sure they're great. Um, but last night <laughs> I went to a boozy book club with some friends that I met through some friends I met through Brock. So I still know her because of Brock. But it was great, like, just hanging out in a room with, there were, like, six or seven of us uh, talking about a book uh, and just drinking a bunch of wine. It now, was what was the book? Um, it was called Before We Were Yours, and I can't remember the author's name, but uh, we all agreed that the book was fine, but the story behind it was so, so fascinating because I, okay, I won't get into... I won't get all the way into it, but if you've never heard of the woman Georgia Tan, 
just look her up because it is a shit show. She is she related to the tan on queer tan Eye? France? Yeah, Georgia tan France. Oh wow! No, no. Uh, he is uh, made of sunshine, and she is the devil. Uh, she's credited with uh, basically forming our current view of adoption. Like there weren't adoption agencies before her. She really destigmatized uh, what it was to be an orphan. But she was pure evil because she would just steal babies from poor families and sell them to wealthy families, prominent families. Um, the weirdest part of this, I think, was that like she'd take babies and then come back a few days later and be like, whoops, the baby died. And it was at a time where no one was like, then produce the body. Yeah. So people were just like, well, I'll take her at her word. The baby has died and she, she definitely buried yeah. it in the yard somewhere. She would tell... They would tell women that their babies died in childbirth when they didn't. They would uh, take advantage of mothers under, uh, like, who were all, you know, drugged up from giving birth Mm -hmm. and uh, convince them to sign papers that are, you know, to get their baby, like, shots or whatever. And really, they were signing away their babies. So That's that's perhaps the weirdest part, is that we were at a point where... You didn't have to prove the baby was dead, but we were into paperwork at least. Well, she also had a, a bunch of judges and politicians in her pocket. So she and she was stealing from poor families that didn't have a lot of rights or access to legal the legal system. But also, she, as you pointed out to me, uh, if the baby was sick, she'd just leave it out somewhere to die. So mm-hmm. like she had this very uh, that's that's how stuff worked in Sparta. Uh, yeah. And, and so she is also credited as like being the most prolific serial killer in American yeah. history because like just hundreds of babies About she just left out in the is woods. The estimate. Jesus yeah. fuck! Or That's just insane. let or yeah, they they'd kill them or or let them die because mm-hmm. she would steal the babies. But she also like she didn't give a fuck about these babies because they were also like they were expendable. They were poor babies, and she only wanted them to look like rich babies till she could sell them because you know she had. She, like a lot of people at that time, had a morality attached to wealth and lack of wealth. So these babies weren't even really human to her. They were just a money-making machine. So she would kidnap them and then not feed them. And if they cried too much or they got sick... like She, she hated would, babies, she, which she is really a weird did. crime to get into she if you don't like money, being around babies. hated babies. Uh, the, the weirdest part of this is that uh, right before Book Club, Viv looked it up. And like every true crime show has done like an Mm -hmm. episode about this. So we looked up like a unsolved mysteries and like some other stuff. But we also found just one of those fucking garbage shows called like lady killers, women who kill investigative discovery, deadly women, deadly women. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the recreation of it is the reenactment. uh, So bad. The first thing that, that I got like apoplectic about is that like the mics weren't on for anybody. Yeah. So like, it was just like room tone. And then like, you could kind of hear some stuff. I was like, this was on television. Yeah. Like that's insane. But like when, when this woman dies in the recreation of her life story, the her, her dying breath is her saying, they'll remember me for inventing adoption. And I, I don't think I've let out such a weird laugh in decades. Like, it was just like, well, you know what? There it is. Yeah. People wrote that. People people got together and filmed yep. it. Like, Patton Oswalt's entire deathbed bit of like, people yeah. uh, like cut bagels at dawn to give the actors energy to act in this. Yeah. Like, oh my God. So I got to uh, just drink some wine with some cool women and talk about that. And it was... It was really nice because that's not really something that I've done yet here. Like we we have friends and we do this podcast, but like just going out and hanging out with some women by myself without my wonderful husband was something I hadn't really done yet. And they're a few degrees away from me. They're your friends. 
Yeah, I took them. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm not going to get them back. No. No, because I don't know who any of them are because they're your friends. This took a weird turn. Did it? Okay. <laughs> so we have a guest with us today, and our guest is... Abby Olchessy. Yeah. Olchessy? Olchessy. Yeah, I we've only been like internet friends... <laughs> Uh, so I've not figured that one out. We met once in person, and it was uh, the worst possible situation to meet somebody, which was uh, right before a critic screening of the Mr. Rogers documentary. So afterwards, it was like, oh, we'll, we'll like catch up and like grab a drink or something. Yeah. And then just like my tears stained, like bloated cheeks, just like, no, we've, I've got to go home. Yeah. I'm so I'm yeah, so sorry. For sure. Yeah, exactly. I actually had a really nice interaction with a friend right after that uh, who'd come to see the screening with me. And we just we were hanging out together, not really sure how to process our feelings. And I was like, you know what? I like you. I like you for who you are. And she said, I like you for who you are, too. Do you want to go get a cookie? And I was like, yeah, I do want to go get a cookie. So we went and got cookies and talked about the movie. It was maybe like the best post-screening breakdown I've ever had with a person. It was really nice. Oh, you just made Mr. Rogers smile. Yeah, You're I so hope much so. better at making friends than both of us <laughs> <Yeah>. put together. <laughs> just all, I just, should just always carry cookies in my purse. Yes. <laughs> like a mom. Yeah. <gasps> and the Mr. Rogers like DVD when it comes out. Oh, totally. <laughs> like, you just have one of those like like early 2000s DVD players yeah. that was portable, but no. you just have the one DVD. For friendship, yeah. Not for an friendship. iPhone with the file on no. it. No. <laughs> they should do that though. Like they send out award screeners for stuff. Yeah. They should just send out like friendship DVDs where Aww. they're like, it's a goodwill thing. Give it to like five of your friends. Aww. Abby, yeah. I'm so happy you're here. You already <laughs> have had four good ideas. <laughs> cookies, movies. Friendship. Yeah. Friendship. Purse cookies, <laughs> friendship. DV- yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm on fire tonight. This is great. <laughs> what did you think of the Mr. Rogers documentary? Oh, I loved it. Oh, my gosh. Um, I cried a bunch, probably like a lot of people. <laughs> um, so... Um, I'm a, I'm a critic, and I write mainly for uh, Sojourners, which is a, a progressive uh, faith, culture, and social justice site. So, like, a movie like this is sort of, like, the nexus of all of yeah. their things. Um, wow. Yeah. Like, you couldn't think of a more perfect movie to review for them. So, um, I just was um because i think about a a lot of movies that i watch in that way whether or not they actually apply to those things um it's really nice to have a movie that already does apply to those things and is like not just about a person who did great things but also just like the concept of goodness um i was listening to an interview with uh uh, it was on uh, bullseye the jesse thorne show um Mm. and he was talking to morgan neville about it and that's i mean he basically said the same thing too that it's it's a movie about the concept of goodness, the importance of it in like your daily life and public discourse and sort of the lack of that right now, Mm -hmm. like without even addressing it directly, which I think is so interesting. It is amazing that making a film just about smiling and being nice to people was taken as like, this has a very political slant right now. Right. If that is how you feel, then what side are you on? Are we the baddies? Like it's just exactly, (laughs) exactly. It's just like you notice this giant void that's just like the the lack of that right now. And I think like you can think about that abstractly, but you don't really think about it in a way that hits you that emotionally until you see it on screen and you're like, whoa, something needs to change. (laughs) For your outlet and and covering it for a faith based social justice thing which we'll get in i i have so many questions about that but yeah. i guess my my big one is that maybe my favorite part of the documentary which is a is a weird thing to say is that it it does not smooth over uh the fact that uh one of the characters on mr rogers's show was gay and initially mr rogers 
had a very weird reaction to that, like a very like, well, this can't get out and we have to do this. And Mm -hmm. then he very quickly came around and realized like, that's a terrible stance to take and that does not align with my values. How do you write about that for a faith-based site? Yeah. um, And actually, uh, the um, interview with with Jesse Thorne on Bullseye actually goes into that relationship in even greater depth, which I really appreciated. Um, I I kind of wish that they'd spent more time on that in the movie. Same, Um, yeah. Because I I thought that was a really interesting topic. Um, Because Mr. Rogers never has to change. He's introduced as the single greatest person. Right, exactly. I think one of his sons refers to him as the second coming of Christ, Um, (laughs) which I get totally. Like there's very much like kind of this saintly beatific vibe to him. But Um, it's more interesting to watch like how does how does somebody grow or change? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's I think it's it's a cool opportunity to see. um, First of all, there's a person who's capable of great empathy and kindness who does not have it all right all the time and still has some growing to do. Um, And that that like those those characteristics of empathy and kindness are intrinsic to that person's ability to change. Um, that it just, it seemed to me, and I think it's kind of reinforced in other things that I've heard, that because he cared about Francois Clemens so much and because he understood that that was an experience shared by a lot of people, not just him, that it was important that he, um, that he kind of take a stand on that and say, this person is my friend, this person's important to me, and therefore what's important to them is important to me. Um, I think the, in the interview I heard, uh, Morgan Neville said that he actually changed denominations, um, to a more progressive denomination that allowed, like it was more, um, more welcoming to, uh, to homosexuals, which oh. I thought was a big deal. Yeah. Um, yeah, I wish the movie had gotten into that. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. I, I would have been really curious to know a little bit more about that. Um, I, I feel like it kind of, it smooths things over, not quite to the point of hagiography, but I think it could. Like you could make that argument, and it's you not wouldn't be. a word be, I hear enough. Yeah, right. You wouldn't be totally wrong, and I wouldn't think about it that much, except that a lot of people said that about the RPG documentary. So it's like Which a I word that's sort of seen. in the back of my mind, yeah. and it's. I mean, it's really good, yeah. and I don't know that it really counts as hagiography if all the things you're saying are true. <laughs> <laughs> like she did do all those things. She really is that incredible. Right. So you know, I think it's okay to give her like an hour and a half party. I think that's fine. She's yeah. Earned it. Why not? <laughs> I, I'm starting to see more documentaries that way too. Like, you know what? Some people just deserve yeah, yeah. an hour and a half party. That's a yeah. pretty good version and, of and it. And the Mr. Rogers documentary did go into the people that were like, I like that they at least touched on this, uh, his like initial dismissal of, uh, what's his name? Francois Clemens. Mm-hmm. Um, as like, that's a genuine criticism of him because then it also, the movie also talked about, like, the bullshit criticisms of him right. that came out in, when was that? The early, the 90s? Uh, yeah, the 90s, maybe the early aughts. Yeah. Where, yeah, it's like the trophy generation. Like, Mr. Rogers is responsible for the trophy generation. Right. Yeah. And it's like, that's... Oh, I'd completely forgotten this happened. I locked <clears throat> yeah. that one yeah. away and threw it in the sea. So I was... Yeah. <clears throat> As you me. should. Uh, yeah, I was really glad that... Uh, they found one thing that that was valid to criticize him right. on. Right, yeah, 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 yeah. And it's a thing worth discussing. That, that one seems necessary because you show him testifying in front of Congress and changing people's minds in a very yeah. Frank Capra way yeah. right. in the scene. And then yeah. it's like, you know what? 30 years later, 
we're all so goddamn dead inside. Who cares? Well, like, also, it's not I a- mean, we've spent oh. we spent generations benefiting from the things that he did to the point where it's so easy to take those things for granted. Uh huh. Um, and I think somebody makes an interesting point at the beginning of that documentary where uh, I think he said that there's like a central question, which is like, did did Mr. Rogers succeed? Like, is the yeah. the agenda that he was working towards was that in any way successful? And I I think it's a question worth asking. Again, I kind of wish the movie had discussed that a yeah. little bit in more depth instead of just kind of going over. I mean, what he did was very important, mm-hmm. and I think it was really good in addressing a lot of things, but there were just like a couple things that I would have liked to have heard more about. Yeah. I'm glad it didn't because that's my greatest fear is this defend your life situation where somebody has a thesis about you and you're like, no, nah, I did not get close at all. I mean, I wanted to. I right. thought I was right. nice, but no. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll leave the documentary behind but uh the last thing i want to mention is that like there's there's stuff about it that flashes back to me and makes me like cry in the middle of the day randomly uh and one of those things is that uh when jfk is assassinated it's jfk not not rfk right i think it was rfk it was rfk okay when rfk is assassinated uh mr rogers does a special episode to explain to children what an assassination is and and what happened here, but it's it all takes place in imagination land, so it's right. all with the puppets right. and they're explaining explicitly and calling it by name what assassination yeah. is. And you're just like, Well, Jesus Christ, like thank God that somebody with that morality core was able to explain like a baseline for yeah. a generation. Like we right. can go back and yell at him about trophies if we're terrible <laughs> people. Yeah. But like your emotional well-being actually like did come from this man and yeah. the Sears Roebuck Corporation. So <laughs> yeah. that, that always freaked me out as a kid when the show ended by thanking Sears Roebuck. Oh, yeah. Cause yeah. I kept looking, I'd always watch with my grandpa and I was like, what's the <laughs> Sears Robot Corporation? I don't understand. Sears Robots? <laughs> Sears Robot. <laughs> Uh, so tell me more about what it is to write at the intersection of social justice and Christianity. <laughs> yeah, um, it's really fun. Um, I, I, I promise you it is. It's like it's a real intellectual exercise with everything I see. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm trying to think about the best way to kind of start this conversation. What's your I, denomination? Yeah, um, I, I've bounced around quite a bit. So I was raised Presbyterian mostly, and then uh, in college I started I I have had some friends who were involved in the Episcopal Church um, and that was the church that I went to the most regularly because that's where all my friends went and it was really close to campus Um, and then I later ended up working for the diocese for a couple of years as a campus minister Um, so technically membership wise I am Episcopalian although the church I go to now is non-denominational so um, I bounce around a lot but um, always really progressive Um, my parents are super awesome uh progressive christians uh who like met doing campus ministry in the 70s and so i just was raised on a steady diet of like bob dylan and narnia so oh my god yeah that's such a good joke (laughs) (laughs) um so i feel like i want to ask them how they even exist in that point too but oh (laughs) yeah that's i mean there are stories there too and some of which i probably can't share with you but you know it's yeah um but they're they're really interesting people and so um i started doing uh movie reviews for sojourners um when i was an intern for them um i'd done a little bit of stuff uh when I was living in Lawrence and uh, doing some things for uh, Kansas Public Radio and a couple other places. Um, so I kind of knew the system. I knew how to 
how to get in with the uh, the press outlet, basically. I'll do a little aside here for people that are not from the area. Lawrence, Kansas, where Kansas University is, is yes. about 30 minutes from the middle of Kansas City. Yeah. Closer. Yeah, yeah about 30 to 45 minutes away. Um, and is a, a really cool town, right? Yeah. It I'd is, say so. It yeah. is weirdly it's a college uh, town. Yeah. Weirdly yeah. one of the most accepting like LGBTQ <clears throat> like campuses and towns in the country, but then it's just surrounded by not that. I've gotten right. yelled at when I like I think I said something dismissive about Lawrence and people were like, Lawrence is actually cool. <laughs> yeah. It's they're they're very defensive about yeah. it. <laughs> with with good reason too. I think they've 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 worked very hard to keep it like a kind of progressive little blue dot. Um yeah. <laughs> so um where was I at with that? Yeah, so I uh, yeah I ended up in uh, D.C. eventually after a few years uh, interning with Sojourners um, and kind of used that to get on the press list. And at the time, because I was an intern and not making a ton of money, I was using it as a way to see free movies, yeah. more or less, and just like use that to kind of back up. All of us. Yeah, yeah. you know, it's, yeah, it's the hustle, right? So, um, and like knowing I had to write stuff, but kind of using it as like a backdoor. Um and because I had like 10 other fellow interns in the program, like it, it was also social capital. <laughs> so I could be like, hey, roommate, you want to go see a movie with me? And they'd be like, yeah, sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I learned a lot while I was there about uh, how to write for an audience like that. Hmm. Um, and in that, those values kind of became my values as a writer. Um, so looking at the diversity breakdown of like the casting process or um, like the amount of sexism in Hollywood and not enough women behind the camera, um, how those points of view kind of inform the way that stuff gets made and the message of that stuff, um, even from a level that you might not understand. Um, and so that, I guess, if I have a mission, has kind of become that, is like looking at everything, whether it's like something with a definite message or like a blockbuster, um, and kind of looking at the components of that and trying to inform people about what it is they're seeing, why they're seeing it that way, how to look at it maybe in a different way. Because um, another another aspect of, of um, criticism in the, the Christian community is what I'm sure you're probably more familiar with, which is like the watch this, not that, because like this is this is quote unquote bad <laughs> um, or like this includes. Sorry, is it is it used in that terminology? Kind of, yeah. Eat This, Not That, if you don't know, was a series of books for a number of years where it was like, oh, here's like uh, this thing at Chili's that's 10,000 calories, right. and here's the thing that you can get somewhere yeah. else that uh, is the same thing but with no calories. I love the idea of <laughs> Christian media co-opting oh, that. Oh, so like huge aside. But uh, when I was in like middle and high school, um, a very well-meaning aunt on my dad's side who was much more conservative um, subscribed me, gave me a gift subscription rather to Brio magazine, uh, which is through Focus on the Family. Yeah, that's that's a knowing oh, laugh. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Did you also get the upper room? I did not get the upper. Room. Are we just doing the in, upper room was Christian available? Jokes now? The upper room was available <laughs> at my church. Behind. I never, I never did pick it up. The upper room I always assumed was for like the older, like my parents' age and upward crowd. It's a Reader's Digest, but for like Christian stories. And yeah. we had a subscription in LA for my grandmother, nice. who asked a few weeks ago. Hey, are you still getting it in Kansas City? And I was just like, say yes. I'm, just say yes. I'm good. Huh? Yeah. We're yeah. so good. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, so like they had, and and also like the magazines that were available in my my youth group, youth room, um, would often have sections on like what to listen to, 
that was like Christian contemporary music, like the alternative version of this. So like there was an alternative version of even like the Beatles, like something right. as innocuous as that. They're like, listen to this instead. <laughs> um, Here's Marilyn Manson. But did you know about Jars of Clay? That's right. <laughs> How about Skillet? Everyone loves Skillet. <laughs> Grits. Uh, DC Talk. Oh. Uh, yeah, just all the greatest yeah. hits here. <laughs> One of the right after we moved to Southeast Kansas, uh, I went with my youth group to uh, a Billy Graham crusade just because yeah. it was happening. It was happening in St. Louis, and I was like, "Well, this seems interesting." And my mom was like, "Yeah, Billy Graham's kind of a big deal. You should maybe go." Um, and the the openers, it was it was a very long night because the the openers were two pretty much like full sets. One by Kirk Franklin, the other by DC Talk. So, yeah, and then Billy Graham shows up and he's like, do you want to give your life to Jesus? Come on down, um, which I did because I was like, that sounds fun. I'm all about audience participation. Do, 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 do. Um, I love the improv version of yes, handing your way into the afterlife. <laughs> Basically, I mean, I'd already done it at that point, I think. It was just like a, I felt like maybe I should double down. I don't know. It was weird. So anyway. Uh, my, my friend Kevin Porter from uh, Gilmore Guys has a show called Good Christian Fun because he's a Christian yeah. in Los Angeles. Uh and I had a great episode there that I, I had a lot of fun doing. Mm -hmm. But he just had the Newsboys on. Yeah. Which uh, the listeners at home might know if you've ever watched the movie God's Not Dead. They're the last half hour of it. <laughs> oh, just concert no. footage once they gave the fuck up yep. on the movie. Yep, yep. <laughs> Which is actually, that's the first time I ever heard you, actually. It was on an episode of Good Christian Fun. I heard, <laughs> I, heard, I heard the Christian Mingle episode, which I listened to for Christian Mingle. And I was like, this dude's from, wait, he's from Missouri? His name sounds kind of familiar. And then a few weeks later, our mutual friend Peter was like, my friend Brock. And I was like, oh my God, you know Brock Wilbur. <laughs> so that's the story there. Oh my god! Yeah. Well, I'm glad that we're real friends now. I know, I know. Instead of like creepy, like sick, like cyclical, yeah, cyclical. That's the word. I keep wanting to say secular, and that's not a word. Um, <laughs> Isn't it? It is now. Circular. Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. yeah there you go. There we go. I know how words yeah. work. <laughs> <laughs> I know how words work. I also know how wine works. So mm -hmm. yeah. The, the Christian mingle. It, there's a whole. Uh, there's a whole production company that makes Christian films. Uh, and they're all on Netflix, and one of them uh, has some B-list level stars in it, uh, and it's all about a woman who signs up for the Christian Mingle dating service. Again, the movie's name is Christian Mingle. It's paid for by the Christian Ming Mingle dating app, uh, and the entire story is about how she pretends to be a Christian to date this guy, but then he realizes she isn't a Christian, so she becomes a Christian to get oh, the D. Oh, did we watch this over Christmas? Yes, we did. Yeah, when it's, I, it's insane. At Brock's parents' house, movie. the Hallmark Channel is just always on. I got real into it. I remember this movie. <laughs> Yeah. And like Stephen Tobolowski's in it for like reasons, I guess, even though I feel like he's he's made enough of a name for himself now that he doesn't need to do the Christian Mingle movie, is, but he's it, there. It's written and directed by the dad from Psych. That's right. Is this yeah. the one with Stephanie from Full House? Is that a different no. one? Okay. It's a different it's, one with uh, a very it's similar It's Lacey plot. Chabert. So, oh, um, yeah. Yeah. Eliza from Full House. So I knew it was yeah. some 90s show that I watched. Yeah. If, yeah. if you had Googled one of their names, the other one of them would have yeah. shown up in that people also <laughs> yeah. search for yeah. bar. Yeah. 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 So all of that giant conversation was to say that those are like kind of the two, the two areas that I sort of focus on is trying to get people to think more about what they see. Um, but also like not in a dismissive way, like in a inclusive, maybe this can be part of my ways of engaging spiritually, even mm -hmm. though it's a secular film 
made by people who don't share my beliefs kind of way. So what what is your response like to that and, and your readership? Because uh, that sounds very similar to what I do. Mm-hmm. And I get yelled at a lot for like, why are you talking about diversity in a movie that's about like white men and these things? But but who is your readership? Is it more people of faith or more film buffs or? It's more people of faith. Yeah. Um, so I think the people who look at that stuff are already kind of attuned to that thinking for the okay. most part, which is great. Um, sometimes I've had, like, I remember um, reading comments on Facebook, which you should never do, but I was Don't curious. I was curious I was about to, to see, ask like, what the Christian Reddit is, yeah, and I'm so glad uh, there's no. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, but I think I did something on... Oh, what was the the Spike Lee movie that was a like a Lysistrata? Oh, Chirac. Yeah, yeah. Chirac. Yeah, 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 yeah. Chir- which I still haven't seen. Um, it's Sorry, really what is it called? Chirac. Oh, I've never even heard of it. We'll watch yeah, it tonight. it's really good. Yeah. yeah, it's it's interesting. And actually, um, uh, Kevin Wilmot, who co-wrote it with Spike Lee, teaches at KU. So there's mm-hmm. a there's a Kansas connection. He also worked on Black Klansman. So he did uh, Confederate States of America, he did. right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I mean, like you watch that movie and you can absolutely tell which parts of the Kevin Wilmot parts. But like, it's it's cool. Like he's he's our guy. So. He, he is like Kansas's one filmmaker, and he made a movie at one point that's like a faux documentary about if. Uh, the Civil War went the other direction, mm-hmm. and uh, we're just we just still have slavery around, and it's uh, right, a weirdly yeah. accomplished indie film. And like a lot of the cultural references that he makes to things that you think are parodies of like stuff that would show up in the Confederate States of America are actually real things. And he tells you at the end of the movie, like this is real, this is real, this is real. Oh, that um, sounds so much smarter than the HBO show that was proposed with that same plot right, that I yeah. had oh, no interest the, in seeing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like it's a deeply satirical bent, but at the same time, See, just like that showing sounds you, interesting. Yeah, showing yeah. you not how far removed we are from that already. I, I um, don't trust uh, Weiss and Benioff to do no. satire well. Oh, yeah. two, two white guys? <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, right? No, no way. Um, I, when I first got to L.A., I had a show that I pitched around a little bit, which was about indentured servitude coming back because of the state of debt in America. Yeah. And the oh. idea that you'd get out of college and work for seven years and something, but that essentially like some people Stop never got over giving people it. ideas. Someone is listening to this and loving that idea. I, <laughs> I loved it too. And No, not for a show, for life. For oh, life. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and and it wasn't until they had their slavery show, and everyone was like, "No white guy should be weighing in on this." It was like, "I'm so glad that no one ever gave me a dollar." To I mean, that. that sounds like the fiction version of that game show where you're playing to pay off your student right. debt. And yeah. it's like maybe we yeah, stop. Yeah. 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 Up, right? I did. Maybe we stop exploiting mm-hmm. people's debts and yeah. pain. And have you guys have you seen Sorry to Bother You yet? No, we still haven't. Okay, because that's like that's a large part of that plot as uh, well. Is like kind of indentured servitude poverty sort of a thing oh then yeah. thank god i don't yeah. have to do it now. right yeah Booth yeah, Riley did it for you that. so hooray um but yeah so a large part of uh chirac is is gun violence that's pretty mm. much the entire gist of the movie and so i made a reference at some point in that review to um gun violence being a societal sin in which we are all complicit and oh, um, no. i'm sure people yeah. love that oh on yeah Facebook. well the yeah the the people who are regular sojourners readers who have been active in like you know anti-nra stuff for years mm-hmm. just kind of piled on and they were like oh, i can't believe blah 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 i'm like well i mean i don't know i feel like sorry it, the problem came from the anti-nra people yeah so yeah oh, i know yeah okay. yeah no it came from people who were you know technically on my side um <laughs> so that's an annoying thing but yeah. i i feel like I don't know. You don't want to write people off, but especially people who were like, you know, work hard and do good work. But I feel like an important part in my understanding of activism and the way that it works is 
recognizing that even if you are working towards a greater good that like at least from a christian perspective because of the inherent fallenness of man like we're all guilty of everything so like you know <laughs> even me, just a little bit i gave money last year to people <laughs> unrelated right. but my morality like score <laughs> Means that I'm not complicit in guns. You're right. Your good place score is a little mm-hmm. higher than mine. Yeah. I, I definitely, I definitely experienced that thing too. Of like, it, I know how to handle getting criticism from, like, from one side. Right. But when it's people that like, you know, if there are two teams, right. which there aren't, but if there were, then we're on the same team. And when they attack me for not being exactly aligned with their views yeah. of how they view the other side, it's just, it's a lot. It, right. Yeah. 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 And I mean, I think the best thing to do is kind of approach it from with like humility. And if you know you're wrong, then you're wrong. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if they're wrong, then don't engage them because it's not worth the energy. Yeah. Um, and it's not always right or wrong, but like such a narrow view of yeah. what can be right yeah. that everything else is wrong. Yeah. yeah. Um, I also got some pushback from some people on uh, the Blade Runner sequel last year. Um, Cause I made a mention of the fact that, I mean, and it's not a new argument. A lot of people have made it that for a futuristic society, that's based a lot on Asian culture. You don't see a lot of Asian people. Yep. Um, <laughs> and Especially because Ooh, that, Firefly. yeah, and because that movie has um, a really strong plot of like liberation to it, which from the social justice aspect is great. The fact that it's a white person doing it for people who are also white, I mean, whether or not they're robots, I feel like that's a problematic thing that should be addressed. Yeah. And so I mentioned that. Um, and I didn't get like, it, it wasn't just like a depressing wave of people, but there were some folks I had to mute on Twitter and mm-hmm. I haven't looked back at that piece um, for a while and I probably never will. Mm. So, you know, I really like the what you're saying about this is that you're bringing uh, sort of the behind the scenes of like how films get made and stuff. Uh, but you're also sort of trying to teach people how Hollywood works. And and that seems so interesting because Christians should care about like the issues of the casting couch or Harvey Weinstein Mm -hmm. or something, which has become very easy to dismiss as like everyone in Hollywood is part of some weird gangbang and they're all like soulless demon people. But it's like, no, there's people that are being taken advantage Mm -hmm. of. And if you care about some people, you should care about all people. And the fact that the zip code is different doesn't mean that. Yeah. Godless Hollywood. And I mean, and there are people I think of real integrity and people of faith who are working um, inside the system. Um, I don't want to, make that sound like a I don't know like a like a weird conspiracy theory thing like I just did but like people like Scott Derrickson who is a Christian um but writes horror movies like sometimes very disturbing violent horror movies um but he wrote Doctor Strange right he did he wrote and directed Doctor Strange um he he follows me on Twitter and then unfollows me on Twitter and I notice every time I was like like I what I did hate, I do, bro? I hate Doctor Strange, but I don't think I've ever tweeted about it. So right. then I do this moment right. of like... Right. I think you did tweet yeah. about how I left 20 minutes before it ended. He followed for the first time after that. Great. So I don't know. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah, she left right before... Uh, I just was done. That's And that's that's completely fair. Like, yeah. I haven't made it all the way through Doctor Strange either. Um, and that's, it, like, it ends with him mansplaining at God. And I miss that. And so, she, yeah, on, she's like, man. how did it end? I, I was like, you won't that. believe what you missed, but I'm it is just this. I'm not about that. I love when Brock gets to explain the ends to movies I tap out early on like mother I fell asleep about oh. half an hour before it ended oh man I could talk for hours <laughs> I could talk for hours Brock, about mother Brock refuses to tell me how it ends because he thinks he'll get in trouble you can't, oh okay so we, we won't go into my my long-winded <clears throat> theological breakdown of that movie um 
get let me finish it and then we'll hang out for sure we'll do that. yeah because it's just i think it's <laughs> fascinating i love that movie um but yeah like even though i'm not a huge fan of a lot of his movies just aesthetically i think it's really cool that there's a person who's willing to go there and do that um and i think i read an interview one time with him where he um was quoting flannery o'connor um and I'm going to misquote the quote because it's been about, it's been a couple years since I looked at it, but just the idea that if you want somebody to pay attention to, um, to things that are hard, you have to show them the hard things and you have to show them sometimes in the hardest, most shocking way possible, because that Mm. is the only way to get them to pay attention. And that is a thing that I, I mean, as a viewer, I don't always enjoy seeing that stuff, but I absolutely understand where it's coming from. So, and Flannery O'Connor also being a Christian author, I think, kind of backs that up as well. That's so interesting. It, th- this is so fascinating to me. I, I admit, like, I've never looked at the site, but I'm definitely going to because it it does rem- it does sound so m- much like what I do and the work that I seek out. Like, I just I've reached a point where I have no interest in reading uh, just a straight movie review that doesn't acknowledge at least it doesn't have to be critical that's what that's what the people that you know the trolls on on our site that you know don't like what we do think that all we want to do is tear down and and criticize Mm -hmm. and like I love loving things yeah but to you have to acknowledge these things these the demographic breakdowns in front of and behind the cameras the use of tropes and these things and um and I think that the film community is they know that this is the new movement in in film criticism. Absolutely, yeah. And there's been, like, Alyssa Wilkinson has written a couple of really good pieces mm. on this for oh, Vox. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. I love her. Yeah, she's yeah. awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, about, like, uh, criticism, not just as a yes or no, go see it, don't see it kind of a thing, um, which it was for many years. But, mm-hmm. I mean, it really is an art form. Um, I'm at a video game site where when I do movie reviews, they always remind me, you have to end it with yes or no. And I was like... Mm-mm. For who? Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to remember the first time I thought of it that way. Like, I think, like, the, I think it was film spotting, maybe, when I was in college. Um, and they were talking about how, like, they can't just give a straight thumbs up or thumbs down mm. to a movie. Um, and, like, how that became a regular thing for them. I was like, well, maybe that should be a regular thing for me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so reviews, I think, are less reviews than it is, like, very technical essays. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and those technical essays used to be about just the craft of filmmaking. Yeah. And now it the the idea that you ignore the social component of it mm-hmm. is becoming outdated. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of people that are really angry about that. Yeah. But that's, I mean, that seems to be like common knowledge, like I was saying, within the film community. But for an audience outside of that, that may be going to a website for like faith-based content, mm-hmm. I'm so glad that that is being discussed there too. My, I remember I had a conversation recently with my stepmother who is, uh, she's a minister. She's like a very like socially conscious woman, very cultured um, and a minister, but like she had never heard the term fridging before. Oh yeah. And so getting to explain, like Brock, you were saying, you know, talking about like, you were talking about like behind the scenes stuff of yeah. like what the like Me Too movement and Weinstein, but it's more than that. It's um, exposing a community that like we take these names of tropes and the knowledge of tropes for granted, mm-hmm. but to be able to bring that knowledge to an audience that 
you know, sees movies still just as movies without social components to them. Like, it doesn't have to ruin movies for them, but to be aware of what's happening yeah. in the context of movies is so important. We had just started dating, and my family was very excited to oh. <laughs> uh, get me to go see the Angelina Jolie-directed, like, Bosnia movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh boy. And yeah. I called it... Uh, Oscar bait. Oscar bait. And they were like, why wouldn't you try to make a movie that wins an Oscar? We have never heard that term before. Explain oh, no. it. <laughs> and I was like, well, if you... You should okay. So insincerity yeah. is a concept, and like, right. but like, it didn't sink in. My mom just kept being like, "But you should try to make a movie that's as good as it can be." I was like, "This, these I'm not, are, I'm not criticizing are, the cinematography." But there, there are things that we take for granted. Is <laughs> right. like when you think about movies, you think about tropes, you think about demographics, right. and mm-hmm. uh, and so it's so I'm so glad that there is a site out there and and people like you that are not writing for just straight film criticism sites but with this other bent to them that are that this is an issue there this this is something yeah thank thank you Uh, do you want to have a cookie and talk about mr rogers you've stolen yet another of my friends (laughs) (laughs) this is this is in line with your your talk uh like the the technical side of this in 2009 on the website something awful my friend dennis wrote a piece i hope you google it at home and look it up he wrote a review of the Brad Pitt vehicle World War Z if it had been reviewed like a video game is reviewed and video game stuff like people even now like via Gamergate and stuff are like, no, keep your your opinions out of it. Just talk to me about the game. And so he wrote about the movie in that way. And it was like all of the zombies in this scene are rendered. All the lights allow you to see what's happening. <laughs> it is at uh, 30 frames per second. Like, mm-hmm. And it's just this fucking dead-ass review from start God. to finish. Right. Paragraph after paragraph. And it's such a brutal thing. And like every couple of months, like as, as part of either the film world or the game world, I just get to be like, so this is what it looks like. And now we have an example <laughs> to see, like, that's not actually what you want. Right, yeah. And actually... Um, now that you mentioned video game reviews, so a couple of years ago, I did an article on, um, do you know the, the game That Dragon Cancer? Yes, and the associated documentary. Yeah, yeah, and the associated documentary. Although I haven't seen the documentary. The documentary came out after I did the article. But um, so learning about that, and then I, I thought, I should write about this for Sojourners. This seems do like you, a thing they would want to do. Do you want to tell people at home what it is? Cause... Yeah, okay. So That Dragon Cancer is, I think, I think you could call it an empathy game, although the makers themselves don't quite love the term I don't think mm. um, so the idea that you are playing this game to get a sense of the experience at the core of it which is um, the, uh, the the couple Ryan and Amy Green um, and uh, their emotions um, kind of processing the loss of their son to cancer who was about three years old when he died um, maybe he was a little older, but he was, he was very young. He was a toddler. Um, you're talking about the people that made the game, right? The people who made the game. Yeah. So when you play the game, um, you kind of go through a series of scenes and those scenes, each of them kind of, um, explores either it, emotionally, it explores kind of from an abstract emotional perspective, um, what either Ryan or Amy was feeling like. Um, during a certain point in their son Joel's uh, diagnosis or treatment and then later death. Um, and it's, it's a really interesting game. Um, it goes to some, I think, artistically really ambitious places, which is cool. Um, it's super depressing. You will cry. Yeah. I cried, like, a ton. 
Um, and there's been, there's, yeah, there's been a documentary about it. Um, I think Reply All did a really good episode about it, which was how I learned about it. Um, but, um, so I heard that story and I thought that would make a really interesting Sojourners feature. Um, I wonder if there is anybody else that I could talk to, like in the video game review world about this concept, like Christians and video games don't necessarily go together because I think there's also, I think an even bigger assumption than there is about film that video games are just like a violent escapism thing and that there's nothing good or redeeming in playing them. Um, and from what I had seen from that game, as well as a couple of other examples, that's not necessarily the case. Like it's a very wide art form that encompasses a lot of different ideas and possibilities for new forms of storytelling. Um, and so through that, I found, shoot, this is going to drive me nuts because I can't remember the name of the site, but um, it, was a, it was a website that it, it was really exciting because I remembered thinking they review games the way I review movies, mm. um, which is fascinating. Like their, their goal was to do it from a Christian perspective, but it wasn't a don't play this game because it's violent. It was a here are the affirming aspects of it. Here are the less affirming aspects of it. Here's the overall message. Here is how I as a reviewer feel about it because I'm a Christian. This either kind of gives me a new way to explore ideas of my faith with other people or it doesn't. And here's why. Um, so I talked to the folks behind that and I talked to, um, I talked to the greens and I talked about their experience, talked to them about their experience, um, creating and marketing the game. And oh my gosh, their story is insane. Like not even just the experience of them making the game and losing their son, but like their experience meeting people at, um, like conventions and trying to market it and, like making actual relationships with people they would not have met otherwise. Um, and so like interviewing them, they were at a very interesting and very different crossroads in their faith than I thought they would be. Um, so like they were talking about their experiences at church and how um, as they were grieving, the other people around them weren't supporting them in a way they felt truly supported. They felt like they were in a very different like they were coming from a different place than a lot of people that they were talking to. Um, and the more they met people from the gaming community. Um, no, really? Yeah. The more they met people from the gaming no. community, yeah, <laughs> the more that that changed even further. Um, so they were meeting people um, of like, like they were meeting trans people. They were meeting people of color. They were meeting um, people who had had really negative experiences with the church. Um, whereas their faith is so central to the reason they made that game and their processing of that. Um, but like the emotions at the heart of it are so universal and so raw that like it just became like this bridge between them and people that they would never have given a second thought to. Um, so anyway, I don't know how they're doing now, but I, I think they were, they were in the process of doing some really interesting stuff. That was a long story. <laughs> Yeah, that's just it's it's hard. Like we started with yeah. child abduction today, and now we're on to yeah. child sorry, yeah, I know that, that that got real dark. But did you write any more like video game stuff? Like, did was that an entry point to being like, oh, games um, are this way of processing emotions in a different way? That is, it's a thing I'm really interested in. It's not a thing I've done much more with, um, and part of it is because like as a gamer, I'm really inexperienced. Um, so in that sense, so it sounds like Viv knows what you're talking about. Yeah, Brock always wanted me to write more video game reviews. And I was uh -huh. like, you know what? If I read a film review from someone that had seen as many films as I've played video games, I wouldn't give a shit about their opinion. Yeah. And he he never accepted that. Mm. <laughs> I, I finally did. Okay. <laughs> right? 
Sure. <laughs> I've stopped pushing. Yeah. <laughs> right? Well, I told you it wasn't a thing I was going to do. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Um, Game Church. That's the name of the site that I found. Oh, that's, cool. Yeah. So that, and then the, one of the other sites I write for, Think Christian, they also, they do all sorts of stuff. So I write some film stuff for them. They also cover comics. I've done some stuff for them on that. Um, and they also have some stuff on TV and video games as well. Um, and I like their video game reviews. They tend to be about um, usually smaller releases, um, like indie stuff, which I'm more interested in anyway, um, but also kind of doing it from that same perspective of um, kind of thinking about it a little more expansively. What does Christian media think about Gone Home? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> um, so the people I talked to about Gone Home loved it. Right. Um, yeah, like the Game Church people thought it was really interesting. Um, Gone Home is, is, is an emotional game uh, where uh, you wind up exploring a teenage girl from the 90s uh, figuring out her sexuality by way of like a ghost story. <laughs> yeah, so like you play as... Uh, like this older sister who's coming home and the house is empty and you're not sure why. Mm -hmm. um, but there are all these clues. Um, like you've been gone for like a year, I think, mm -hmm. doing study abroad. And so you come home to an empty house and you're not sure why. And then you find kind of all these clues that sort of lead you to a full narrative of what happened. And a lot of it has to do with your sister um, kind of falling in love with another girl, basically, in high school. And um, the family not necessarily being receptive to that and i think i don't know i don't want to spoil it too much yeah, no but it's, spoilers, yeah. yeah so it's it's sort of like a puzzle I think game we're there but yeah oh i don't know i only played it like what six months ago so, sure yeah. yeah so it's sort of like a puzzle game in that like you have to find um the keys and stuff to like unlock a locker that gives you more clues and then mm -hmm. that leads you somewhere else and you have like basically as much time as you want to kind of explore this house top to bottom um so i think the feedback i got from the game church people um who were really cool, I liked them a lot, um, was that it, it um, like the mechanics of that game are such that you understand the characters in a kind of a deeper, more emotional way um, and a more universal way um, than you get to in some other forms of, of games. Um, so they really liked that. I know that studio was about to release uh, Tacoma, I think, around the time that I wrote that article like a few months after I put it out um there were some ads for it which is um a pretty similar gameplay style but set in space um and about I think a larger disaster not um not coming out but <laughs> um but still kind of a, I, I think it's a really interesting um like as, as a person who's really bad at like single person shooter games and stuff like that <laughs> like it's a great game for me because I can just like play around and take my time and do as much as I want um, but I also think it's an interesting new way to kind of tell stories in ways that make you interact with them more directly. Uh, we, we delayed this from the intro onward, but, uh, Trump was just in town today. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and we couldn't really protest. I mean, we, we could have, but, uh, they shut down downtown to prevent people from being able to protest in a way that he could see. Yeah, right. I mean, I don't want to discount there were a lot of protesters out yes. there. Yeah. Not, they, they were in a separate part of downtown. Uh, we were going to go after work. Um, we didn't, The there was a big protest before, like during work hours that we right. didn't know was going to happen. Yeah. Uh, so I, just because he couldn't see it, I don't want to discount the there were it from the pictures it looked like there were at least a few dozen people out there yeah protesting. i think they said that yeah the news folks were saying that there were 
quote unquote hundreds, although the mm. way they showed it, you would never have seen it that yeah. way. Like it was, there they were do people that. like, yeah, there were people lining the streets on all the, all sides, but like they were lining the streets. They weren't in right. the Right. And that makes sense. I was looking at pictures like oh, when Trump was here, like around 2 p.m. So I don't know what happened like at four and five when the main protest was scheduled to start. Right. Right. Uh, Abby, you had a bad gym experience. I did. Yeah, we we messaged back and forth about it a little bit. So I was I was already kind of frustrated because I didn't know what the schedule was going to be until I was already at work. And so at that point, I wouldn't have been able to get town get downtown in time anyway. Um, so I was already kind of annoyed by that. And then I go to the gym over lunch, and uh, like they they play like local news and stuff in the background anyway. Um, but they were playing like a live feed of of Trump <laughs> speaking, and. I texted you that it was just like it's it's somehow even more offensive when it's happening in your own town mm-hmm. than it is when it's just like national news. So I think I just, I just said that's like the calls are coming from inside the house. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It. I, I watched some video of, of the things he was saying and watched some some of the protests and like it shouldn't feel different than it does when right. he's in any other city, but right. it does because you know he's right. There. Yeah, and like the people who are there are people like you might not know them directly, but they're people that you probably have seen. Yeah. Um, and did he say anything about Greitens today? Do we know? Oh, I don't think he did. I don't think so. No, he was keeping it pretty specific to just in- endorsing people and talking about Space Force. Um, did he bring up Space Force? He did. Here? He was talking. He said we we're God going to. They're going to expand Space Force, which apparently I I didn't know that there was anything to be expanded yet. Um, you know, space. It can yeah, always be expanded. That's right. I mean, space is infinite, so mm-hmm. why not have an infinite space force? Um, uh, some of the people listening must probably saw the video of him going full Orwell uh, as my my boss, Dan, and, and Brock and some other people have called it today. Uh, oh, I just stole your joke. I stole Dan's joke. Oh, right. um, because he was saying, he actually said, what you have seen and what you have heard is not what is happening. And I oh, can't think right. of anything yeah, yeah. more Orwellian than that. That happened Ugh. in Kansas City. Yep, <laughs> yep, 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 yep. So, yeah, so I thought I could, I don't know, I got on the treadmill, and um, fortunately, like, the treadmill that I was on Sorry, is, like, is this a metaphorical treadmill? <laughs> oh, well, it kind of became that, because, um, like, it was next to a pillar that was blocking the TV he was on, I was like, that's great. Um, but then, like, the other TV that I was, like, right directly in front of was MSNBC, so eventually they cut to that feed, and so I couldn't get away from it. Um, so that was really annoying. But on the other hand, if I could like, just always watch Rachel Maddow picture in picture, just right. like shaking her yeah, head exactly. in disbelief, yeah. that'd be okay. Yeah. While running to nowhere. But the upside of the the upside of that is that I've never finished a workout so quickly because I was like I was like rage working out, so I had all this energy. It was just like boom, 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 done. Some people like a sick beat. I like to be watching Trump, so I just can never right. run fast enough. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I prefer a sick reality. <laughs> yeah. I, I brought it up on the show right after we got here, uh, but uh, I went to our gym as soon as we joined, and it was the day before some local elections that we were not registered yet, so we couldn't vote. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so on the gym TVs, it was nothing but local ads, and one of the local ads was this guy being like, this woman I'm running against for comptroller, she's with oh. Hillary. Uh, and like the whole oh, ad no. was being This was like, a year after th- the election. Is, yeah, this right. is late she's 2017. She's with Hillary in the Woods, like yeah. what is the that? woods of Chappaqua, right. where she's there talking strategy. She's out there with Hillary, oh, and I'm just like, that's the most insane thing I've ever seen. It's like, did they not? Did the news just get to Kansas City? <laughs> right, like it. right, right. Uh, yeah, so to watch that sort of thing, be like, oh, that's what local politics are. So I think that was around the time that we just decided to do the show. We were like, yeah, that's 
mm-hmm. not okay. Yeah. Like we won't live in that place. That's yeah, that's good. So you're in the religious world where Trump still has an insanely high rating. Yeah. Despite I live everything. In, I live in really deep denial of that. <laughs> um, Cause like the people that I'm, the people that I'm friends with, my little bubble of progressive Christians um, are like, we're not, we're not into that at all. Um, and like, I have done so much work for sojourners that, but like, Trump, he's such a Christian, right? Yeah. I mean, they, they call, he says they, he is. they are evangelical Christians. Like sojourners is a, is an evangelical organization. They call themselves that because they want to distance themselves from the common idea of evangelical, mm-hmm. um, which is just the, yeah, like the Trump, voter, oh, like the, the this, Trump base kind of thing. It's angry branding. It yeah. is sort of. Yeah. Um, and so it's it's been really confusing because I think my parents come from an evangelical background as well. Um, and like some of it, my mom had a more conservative upbringing, I think, um, and more conservative young adulthood. But like by the time they were doing campus ministry and college stuff, um, like they were really progressive evangelicals where like evangelical was more like the the worship tradition, not like. Uh, a set of beliefs that you had to ascribe to. It's more um, even, right? Yeah, even jellical. Oh. I like did it. that I very did it. much. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's good. I like that. Pun. I contributed to a conversation about um, religion with a pun. Yeah, <laughs> and like that's that the weirdest celebration that you've ever done. <laughs> yeah, and like the Episcopal Church is is super. Prog- they're not evangelical at all. They like about as far from evangelical as you can get. But um, tradition wise, um, but. Like they they do amazing work with um, immigration, with LGBTQ communities. Mm-hmm. Um, like Broderick Greer, who's a real big um, mover and shaker in in the church world and social justice. Um, who's a, a a gay man is a, a Episcopal priest. Mm-hmm. Um, and like my dad does a lot of work with um, like on the local level with um, immigrant and refugee ministry like as soon as trump got elected he started an organization um like through our church to kind of combat it and to provide support for like immigrants and refugees and to Mm -hmm. support um the uh the organizations already like on the ground in kansas city and and lawrence who were doing work with like daca recipients um and incoming refugee families um so like the church does a lot of good work but i feel like we have to like you have to market yourself super super hard um in order to kind of combat all of the the sort of monolithic thing that comes out a lot where it's like evangelical voters for trump and some somehow evangelical gets conflated to the entire christian population right um and i mean there's there's some connection there i think there's it all sort of interlaces a little bit but like i mean you know kevin porter um who's awesome and he doesn't subscribe to that um at least not from what I've heard. <laughs> um, and so like, I think like stuff like good Christian fun is, is I think a really important, um, like I know they're not a direct ministry tool, but like, I think that's a, a important factor where like you're looking at evangelical culture from a, um, a point of self-knowledge where you're like, this is ridiculous. This is less ridiculous. This sticks, this doesn't, um, we're coming at this from a certain perspective, but we're not going to be disrespectful of your perspective. Um, so it plays to a much larger audience as well as people who already know what they're talking about. Um, I think that's great. There should be more of that. Um, I don't know where I was going with that, but that's sort of the frustration I live with every day. (laughs) I want to ask you, I'm, I'm definitely guilty of generalizations, Mm -hmm. uh, and using terms like 
like not conflating, you know, evangelicals with like with all religions or with all uh, denominations of, of Christianity, but like terms like the religious right, like mm-hmm. that's a term that I use in my writing sometimes. When yeah. I, but I, I I I've never really thought about how lazy that is, and like is that mm-hmm. is that something that like you would like bristle, make you bristle or uh, offend you? Um. It wouldn't offend me because okay. um, I use it too. Okay, cool. Good. Um, I just I never really thought about that, and that, yeah. that might not. There is, I think, okay. there's a little cool. bit more nuance to that, but um, and I, there are probably some some more um, moderate people who um, are more conservative than me, but less conservative than Trump, and probably didn't vote for him, who might right. bristle at that. But I think they know they're in the minority. Okay, cool. Because <laughs> it's, I mean, that yeah, I get, that's different than assuming that all religious people, all Christian people are on the right, which a lot of people do. Yeah. And I think there is a spectrum in the church too. Um, Like I've known some really um, very kind and welcoming people who um, like don't believe in women in ministry, for example. Right. Um, And that's a major issue for me. But like I went to a couple of, of PCA churches, um, Presbyterian church in America, which um, is more evangelical. Um, and like it's it's it, it's still very presbyterian um but yeah but like more modern worship also no women in ministry which pcusa is not that way um and that's the denomination i grew up in we're getting real in the weeds um <laughs> but uh but yeah just very kind people very mission oriented very welcoming um but we had like this fundamental disagreement about the role of women in church. And a lot of the people that I knew who went to that church, some of them had issues with it. Some of them didn't. Um, it was an international church, the one that I went to, um, cause I was living in Prague at the time. So like there's, there's sort of a thing where, um, if you're in an expat community, people tend to bond together, whether or not they agree on certain things. Okay. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, so there's 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 all kinds of I don't know there's there's room for all kinds of people there's room for more kinds of conversations I think people who are people who are more moderate I don't want to speak for everybody but um, <laughs> no to go yeah, ahead we do it all the time yeah. hey <laughs> um, I think people who have been more moderate Christian evangelical Republicans I think in the last few years have had really difficult stuff to deal with where they have had to realize that the conversations they thought they were having were not the conversations that they were actually having. Um, And so some of us have been there for a while. Some people are just waking up to it and some people are having a really hard time with it, Um, which is why I'm glad that there are outlets like Good Christian Fun. Um, Also the Liturgists podcast, um, which is a, it's, it's, it's a really interesting podcast um, from uh, this guy, Michael Gunger, who's a, well-known um, Christian contemporary musician um, and this other guy, uh, Mike McHarg, who uh, had a very interesting kind of transformational experience going from deep evangelical to atheist to um, kind of deconstructionist Christian. Um, and so they, I think, especially in the last couple of years, have become a really interesting point of... Um, communication for people who feel like they aren't sure where they lie on the Christian spectrum anymore. Like, this is what I grew up with, but I don't feel like it makes me comfortable anymore. I don't feel welcome here. I'm having doubts about certain things. Um, And their conversations are really interesting for people who are 
kind of breaking things down and building them back up. Mm. So there's a lot of that too. Seems like the perfect place to uh, get into our final segment. Uh, what we always invite the guests to do is to uh, give some pop culture recommendations, something that you've seen lately or read uh, or something that's always meant something to you. Uh, new things are also welcome. My thing uh, is that, first of all, I would like to invite uh, people to read your work at uh, Birth, Movies, Death, including mm-hmm. the piece you just wrote about uh, turning 30 as Die Hard turns 30. Oh, oh my God. Uh, I haven't read that. <laughs> yeah, it's quite good. Uh, <laughs> I really like some of the things that you took away about it, about growth and personal responsibility. And John McClane. Uh, <laughs> McClane was one of the possible names for the cat. Oh, yeah. Uh, so. McClane and what was, what was the other one going to be? From The Thing. McCreary. Oh, McCreary. Yeah. yeah. That's uh, what I wanted yeah. to name the cats was McCreary and the Thing, and then just deliberately never learn which one was which. Uh, I like that. They look different. It wasn't going to work out. Uh, so there's that. But also, uh, we went to see uh, Fringe Festival is in Kansas City. Oh Me and Viv went to see a play that she described as one of the worst things she's ever seen on stage. And we subscribe to the same view. I see a lot of theater. We do. Uh, and you, you see more than me. Uh, your philosophy has become my philosophy, which is I would rather see something terrible than something boring. Uh, there's nothing this, worse than boring theater. This, mm. Yeah, there's nothing worse than it. This was both at the same time, just like the absolute bottom of the barrel. But I still left having a weirdly good feeling about like, well, it's been a while since we've seen a play. Like there's all this stuff that we want to see around Kansas City, especially in the theater scene. And we haven't made it out yet. So it was a step in that direction. And I just miss seeing plays. And it felt good in the same way that like walking into a library feels good. Oh, uh, I just finally, 10 months in, got my library card this weekend. Well done. <laughs> yeah, thank you. <laughs> yeah, uh, go see a play. That's that's my recommendation. Viv, what, I, I'm on uh, Twitter at Brock Wilbur and other places. That's my online thing. Viv, where can people find you? Um, so I'm at Viv underscore Kane on Twitter. You can find me at the Mary Sue every day. I'm trying to think about, I hadn't thought, I never think about it till you say, and now this is what we ask you, our guests. You did seven minutes about the book you just did. Yeah, well, but <laughs> I, I don't exactly recommend the book. The book was hmm. fine. <laughs> I don't know. It's, uh, God, I just brought it up on my phone and didn't care enough to actually learn the author's name. So it's, uh, it's called Before We Were Yours, colon, a novel. Um, oh, that might just be what they call it in, on Audible. Uh, by Lisa Wingate. Um, it was, I don't know. Uh, I, I don't really have anything else to recommend because this is the only thing I've really done this week. Uh, sharp objects. Brock just whispered sharp objects at me, but I think I recommended that a couple weeks ago, but if I haven't, then uh, Sharp Objects on HBO uh, is great. And if you haven't read the book, that's great. At, at our book club last night, we I got to sit in. It was my first time, but I got to sit on, in on the planning meeting. And we were like, in October, they like to do themed ones. So like February, like around Valentine's Day, do like a sexy book, which they were also mad that their book last Valentine's Day ended up having no sex in it. Everyone was very mad about that because um, they'd read a book by this author before that was very sexy. So they, they were like, let's make this Valentine's Day. And then they all went back to their significant others, like expecting their women to be all sexy. And they were just like, no, there's no expecting sex in this book. Expecting their women to be all sexy? Yeah, you know, how we, you, you know how we do Midwestern book clubs. Um, like but, the Stepford ones? But, so in October... We're like, let's do something spooky, and I think we're going to do uh, dark 
places, dark places, sharp objects. Like I get all of her mm-hmm. books mixed up, but uh, girls any, that have gone, girls that have gone, girl, you gone. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, sharp objects. The show is great. Sharp, sharp objects. The book is great. I hated. I want to say dark places, but I can't yep. even remember if that's right. Uh, and and Gone Girl, the movies. Hmm. Loved the books, hated them. This is the first uh, Gillian Flynn adaptation that I've really loved. Uh, so I highly recommend that. Are you growling at me? No, I'm just thinking. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Loudly. Okay. So where can people find you besides Birth Movies Death? Yeah. Um, so I do some writing for Birth Movies Death. Um, I do a lot of my writing at uh, Sojourners. Um, I've also done a couple things for Relevant. Um, but yeah, if you want to find me on Twitter, I'm at... Uh, Indie Abby 88 that's I-N-D-I-E-A-B-B-Y 88 like the, <laughs> the numbers the, the numerals 8 and 8 <laughs> um, and that's that's a pretty good place to kind of keep track of all of the different spots I write for because I'm kind of I'm kind of all over the shop um, so uh, recommendation mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I think given the conversation that we've had, uh, this is not a new thing, but it's something that means a lot to me, um, is the, um, the 1952 movie, The Night of the Hunter, um, which have you seen it? Yes. Yeah. It's amazing. I don't think I have. So it's great. I'll give you a quick breakdown. So Robert Mitchum is a, uh, itinerant preacher who is also a serial murderer. I'm um, sorry. I was waiting to figure out how you were trying to get in. That's what the yeah, laugh was about. I've forgotten that element. He's a killer. <laughs> um, and so he goes from town to town, like marrying widows and killing them for their money. Um, and so he that. meets, um, well, sort of through, through prison, he finds a man who's about to die, who stole a bunch of money and hid it somewhere in his house. So once that man dies, he goes and like kind of, courts and marries the the widow who has two kids who know where the money is but will not tell him and so he tries to coerce the whereabouts of the money out of the children the children go on the run and um are then later kind of fostered slash adopted by this really sweet wonderful woman named rachel who is also a christian um but is not a horrible person like robert mitchum is um and is much more uh kind of quiet and reserved um, and so through her, they, they kind of gain a retrust of adults and parental figures. Um, but I think she also serves as a really good example for what a Christian person should be in the face of a Christian person who says they're Christian, but are actually really not and horribly evil. Awesome. That was perfect. This has been Missouri Loves Company. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you. All right. Goodbye. Bye.